Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Uh, we're doing something we've never done on a Sunday. We're going to have a conversation this morning. Uh, so I'm going to preach for about 10 minutes, and then uh, we're going to have a conversation. Does that sound good? All right, I have seven minutes to preach, basically, so I want to uh, waste no time. Open your Bibles to the book of Romans. Tama message today is the war within our mind. The war within our mind. And it says this in Romans 7, 22 through 23. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Come on now. See, uh, so you uh, see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my simple nature, I am a slave to sin. Stop. There's something about that statement that shows really a picture that there is this war within your mind. And if I could just use a car illustration with you, that there are two fighting natures trying to grab the steering wheel of your life. Because you want to change your life, you got to change the way you think. And, and so wherever your mind is pointing is where your life's going to point. And so even as you're coming to church, some of you probably had a wrestle with yourself. Do I even go to church today? I'm just going to stay home today. You know, do they even care if I'm there? Nobody cares. You know, I, I don't even think they're authentic to me. They don't care if I'm there. They don't know my name. And you're going to turn back home. Maybe you fought to get here. Maybe every time you walk in a room when you see people, you even go, and nobody wants the relationship, and so you, you fight, and so you don't put yourself out there, you don't say hello, and you just leave the room. Because the reality is, is that lies and your nature and your flesh is always going to point you to death and division, but God's Spirit is going to speak truth to those things and lead you to life. So there's a war within, I mean, if I'm just being honest with you, even as I drive to church a lot of time on Sunday, I'll be in the car, and the night before, I'll look over my message and pray myself hot. And I'll be like, whoa, tomorrow's going to be powerful. Oh, God, you're going to use it. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And then I get in the car the next day. I drive to church. I'm like, this message sucks. Oh, my gosh, Lord, what am I going to do? I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't, oh, can you give me a new message, Lord? Uh, and I, I get stressed out. You know, Lord, are they going to look at me blank stared the whole time? You know? Um, and the reality is, is there's times when I want to turn around and not come. And that's not God's spirit. When we were planning the church, I'll never forget this. This is one of the, Rachel and I have two big moments, I feel like, uh, when we were planning the church. One was, uh, we had one week where our faith was just so high. We're going up to this uh, hike hill where you oversee all of the East Bay, and we're praying for revival, praying for souls to be saved, and like, woo, you're going to use Mission Church, it's going to be amazing. And then I remember going to see the movie Dunkirk. You remember the movie Dunkirk? So saw not very good, but um, I like Chris Renolan. But um, so we went to go see it, and I remember sitting in Dunkirk for the whole movie, and I still haven't seen the movie because when I was watching the movie, all I thought the whole time was like, "What have I done? We're gonna have our first interest service, and nobody's gonna come. I'm gonna fail, and I'm gonna be a failure. Oh, I, I'm, 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 I'm gonna change my mind. I'm gonna call one of my buddies to pastor church." And for two hours straight, I just felt this just scarcity mindset. This fear mindset just come over me like I don't want to do it and it's amazing that uh, that for a week you're gonna feel this way and then something else grabs the steering wheel of your life if I could just be honest Rachel and I for the first six months it was just things were just so heavy everything was so big I, um, I remember we were just doing our first little uh, core launch barbecue people said they wanted to set up and tear down with us people wanted to lead small groups with us so we would do once a month for five months straight we would do a dinner with what we call our core team before we launched the church 
and I had my uh, a handout that I wanted to have and hand out to everybody. And I just wanted to print it out and hand it to people. And I, that was one of Rachel's things that she was going to do, and I was doing something else. And I came in and asked Rachel, hey, did you print out the thing? She's like, I forgot. I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot. Like I said, it's okay. She's like, no. Like, we can't plan a church. I don't even know when to print stuff out. And I was like, it's going to be fine. And she's like, no. And I remember like leaving. I come back in the room, and Rachel's laying on the ground. She's like, I can't do it. I was like, and I remember like saying, Rachel, we're just going to go eat food with people. You, 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 we can eat food together. She's like, okay, okay, you know. And I was like, we can print it right now. We print. It. I remember grabbing it, and and it was just one of those moments where it just felt like we can't do this. And I remember a month later, you know, I forgot something, and Rachel found me in the living room on the ground. I can't do it. And we created like a meme. It was like I can't do it meme. You know, I was laying like, I was like Rachel, I just can't. I can't do this. What are we? What were we thinking? And. It was an amazing uh, journey of a roller coaster, and I believe this, that, that God doesn't want you on that roller coaster. And four months in, uh, four years in now, there's just a different strength in our soul that didn't come from uh, this world. I really believe it came from the Lord, but it also came from some practical things I feel like God shows us through therapists or people that can really come alongside us. And, and so my prayer today as I read a couple verses with you, and then I'm going to invite McKenna up, is that we would have a conversation uh, about mental health. Because here's the reality. America is in a mental health crisis. Um, here's some stats real quick. I'm just going to be two big ones. Before COVID, one in five adults struggled with their mental health. After COVID, it doubled to two, two in five. So that, that, that's a lot of people that uh, literally throughout their week are struggling with their mental health. Uh, young people, 40% uh, of them, uh, um, teenagers state they struggle with persistence, feelings of sadness or hopelessness. So if there is a crisis in our nation and there are churches, we should know how to come alongside people, shepherd them, love them, know what to say and know not what to say also. It's an amazing thing. Like, how do you minister to someone uh, if, you don't know how, if you don't know the tools and you don't have the tools in your bag? So, so today's going to be kind of a both and day. It's going to be to minister to your own soul and your own mind, but it's also going to have you identify, man, I'm supposed to be somebody who ministers to somebody and helps them and helps them come out of the miry clay. Does that sound good? I'm going to pray real quick and then uh, we'll, we'll keep going. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing at Mission Church. We thank you that you're a God that your word shows throughout that you want us to renew our mind. That, God, you are in the transforming business and a way that you want to transform our life is not only giving us a brand new heart, but a, a, but a brand new mind. And so, God, I pray that this morning that we would have soft hearts, that we would be ready to receive what you have for us. Oh, may my words fall to the floor and your words soar. We love you, we love you, we love you. And everybody said? Amen. I'm just going to a couple more verses, and I'm going to invite McKenna up. It's another verse I love that just shows you that really the importance of our mind being transformed and us dealing with our mind. Um, Paul is used by God to write so many epistles, the majority of the New Testament, and there's a theme about the mind because he understands that uh, the mind really is the steering wheel of your life. And he says this in Romans 12. It's one of the most famous verses uh, if you've been to church. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. So there's a pattern of thinking in this world, a pattern of negativity, a pattern of worry, a, power, a pattern of suspicion. We're so suspicious of people, but love actually assumes the best. So there's this pattern in the world. So how do we change this pattern? By the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve of what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So right there, the first thing we see is our thoughts control our life. And then I, so I want to read you one more. So <clears throat> the Bible, I could, go, I, I could preach on this for 30 minutes, and that will be a sermon I'll preach another day. But the reality is the Bible says there's strongholds in our mind that are holding us back. And so the only way you get past a stronghold is you speak a truth to it. And so uh, one of my strongholds I feel is I feel very scarce in where I'm at all the time. I don't feel good enough, strong enough, smart enough, uh, 
are capable enough to do what God wants me to do for his kingdom. And so I'll feel that way. I'll start to get stressed out and I'll start spinning this way and going, man, like, is this going to end terribly? Like, I'm tired this week. A month and a half ago, I was driving around and for three straight weeks, I would come home and I would tell Rachel this, I feel broken. And I'll get a little transparent, not too transparent because it's none of your business. But um, <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I, uh, I just felt like uh, so overwhelmed and paralyzed and I could barely come to church and preach for about three weeks. And I was like, can I not do this anymore? Am I done? It's like those kind of thoughts. And I never felt that way in my life. And I was driving my car, and I literally told the Lord, Lord, I feel broken, and I need you to fix me. I don't know how to get out of this little rut I'm in. Is it because I'm not? And there's a cocktail of how that happens. I wasn't resting well. I was having my mind set on things I shouldn't. I, I needed to process with some people that really knew, knew, helped me process. There's so much in that cocktail to get me out of that rut. And God pulled me out of that rut, but I was like, man, like, I struggled for three weeks like that. I know people have struggled years like that. And my heart is that we would be a church that wouldn't look at these things as like, oh, I can't believe you struggle with this, but we would have a heart of Jesus. Because Jesus is one word in ministry. If, they, if you could have one word that describes the gospel ministry, this is what theologians say, the word is deliverance. To take people from some kind of bondage and bring them to freedom. Some kind of lie that they bought into and bring them to truth. It's deliverance. So we're going to be that kind of church. Um, and so I just want to read you the verse that I hold on to a lot when I'm struggling with things. It's 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Woo! I got everything I need. You got everything you need. So I, I need to pray more. I need to read more. But there's a lot of practical stuff also. Um, I, I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. Because um, I'm going to tell you the, the spiritual answer real quick. One of the things that's going to just help your mindset is praying more and reading the Bible more. Yeah. That, that, that is a very powerful, simple, and spiritual answer, and it's real. And so I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He goes, what is more important, prayer or reading the Bible? He says, I ask this in return. What is more important, breathing in or breathing out? The reality is, is that when you get scripture and you don't breathe it out in prayer, you are missing out on half the power. Philippians 4 says, do not worry about anything, but pray about everything. Because that worry literally means to choke out and stop you from breathing and spiritually breathing. So when you read the word and you don't pray it out, you're not getting the strength of it. So those, that, that's, that, that's a little pastoral advice, and I hope you can take it and put it in your back pocket. I think you're inspired. To, are you going to pray more this week? Yes. Are you going to read more this week? Yes. Okay, now I'm really excited for the second part, part two. I'm going to invite, uh, invite McKenna uh, Robry up here. Come on, I'll give it up for McKenna. Come on. This is for you. And uh, I didn't mean to give you a small water bottle. That was not on purpose, I promise. What do you really yeah. think of me? I've got like a $4 uh, Essentia, and then this is like a, I'll trade you, even though I'm drinking right okay? I don't even know how this happened. I don't know. I'm not going to drink. Okay. Um, uh, I'm so excited about this. McKenna is a licensed therapist. I've uh, been at our church for almost four years now, right? Since first service. First service. Come on. OG. OG. And so um, I, I want to ask some questions and uh, have you help us. As we navigate this next season as a church with people and even how to serve the Bay Area on how to come alongside people, even how to help our own selves, because we got to take care of ourselves first before we take care of somebody else. You can only give what you have. And so um, uh, I'm going to ask you five questions. But before the five questions, I think it's always fun to get to know somebody before they share a little bit. Does that sound good? So let's do five fun questions. Ready? Five fun, five fun questions. First one is, what's your favorite movie? When Harry Met Sally. Easy. Wow. <laughs> Great poll. I like Come this on. kind of preaching back. Let's go. Yeah, I like that. You know, okay, big, big Harry Met Sally group over here. Yeah, we're going to have a movie night, maybe. Okay. Um, uh, okay, favorite food? 
anything Mexican. Um, Come on. I know this is kind of controversial because Taco Bell is like borderline Mexican, but I got to give a shout out to the Mexican pizza being back at Taco Come on. Bell. Yes. So. <laughs> My wife says amen to that. Um, <laughs> she loves it. And then favorite hobby. Um, favorite hobby. So on the side, my little side hustle is I teach bar classes. Um, not like the alcohol kind of bar, but yeah, like the yeah. exercise bar, kind of bar. bar. So shout out to Laura Glazier if you're in here. I take her classes all the time. Come on. I love that. I love that. I love that. Uh, and then uh, why did you become a therapist? <sighs> Good question. So it's hard to kind of not come up with like the very cliche trite answer, which is I genuinely just wanted to use the strengths that I thought God had given me to help other people and really make my career and ministry synonymous. Um, but God is really cool because what I didn't realize would happen is that he would really redeem a lot of my own mental health struggles. And now I get to like walk alongside other people going through very similar things. Um, so yeah, it's been really amazing. I love that. I love that. Well, I've been looking forward to this Sunday for a long time now when we put it on the calendar. Um, I just love you and your husband, Spencer. Uh, I think the world of you guys. Uh, Spencer's also a great softball player. Shout out, Spencer. Ow! Uh, and um, uh, yeah, it just, um, it's amazing when the persona and a person line up to just who you are. And so I'm so excited for you to share your gift with us today. So we're going to dive in. Uh, first question is this. We hear the term mental health all the time in today's culture. What is it? Yeah, great question. Um, so mental health kind of in its essence is the state or the status, the welfare of our psychological well-being, our emotional and mental well-being. Um, it's a reflection of how well we're able to adapt and cope with stressors, things in our daily lives, relationship functioning, all that fun stuff. Um, and how modern psychology thinks about mental health, they think of it as kind of the combination of four different primary factors. So just kind of your biology, there is a physical, biological, often genetic component to mental health. Um, psychology, so how you, I kind of think about it like the lens through which you see your world and through which you see yourself mm -hmm. and how you are able to manage and cope with things. Um, then there's like the social environmental piece, which is where did you grow up? What's your family of origin like? Culture, um, work environment, school environment, friends, relationships. So that piece plays a role. And then lastly, the spiritual. So there's a spiritual component to understanding mental health and kind of what your relationship, I mean, for us, we would make sense of that as our relationship with God and our yeah. faith and how... Yeah. Um, grounded in that we are and how we use that to make sense of our world and experiences. That's so, so. good. It's amazing to me. I, I, I didn't know those four quadrants, but I, the thing that's always fascinating me in church is I've met people who are so spiritual, but so unhealthy. And because they, they focus on one quadrant, but not the other three. And so that's, that's fascinating. And God's a God of the practical and the spiritual. He puts the hands together. Come on now. And so that, that's, that's, that's a phenomenal uh, insight. So second question is this. If I know someone who struggles with mental health, what is the best way to come alongside of them? I love this question. <laughs> um, I, I get asked this a lot as a therapist, and I think people are waiting for this big, profound, deep, just, you know, therapeutic response. And at the end of the day, most of it is just being with that person. Um, I remember being in grad school and you know, you're learning about all these different theories and you're learning about cognitive behavioral and Freud and whatever, but then my uh, professor goes, but did you also know that 85% of the success of therapy is your relationship with the client? Like that is the biggest indicator of success. 
Um, And so just sitting and being and witnessing the emotion, um, validating, empathizing, I think the two areas I see people getting tripped up in that is, I'm just going to be totally honest, I'm guilty of this too. We get uncomfortable with other people's feelings, right? Like we get uncomfortable with somebody else grieving, stressed out, having a hard time. And so how many of you have had the conversations with your partner? I don't need you to give me a solution. I just need you to empathize with me, right? And we jump into feeling like we need to fix it and solve it and do something for them. Ask them what they need and listen to it. If they need space, if they need to talk about it, if they need you to help them or guide them to some support. Um, So just being mindful of that urge and impulse to want to fix that may not even be what they need. Um, And then secondly, just being mindful of our own boundaries. I know that word gets thrown around a lot as well. Um, But I like to differentiate supporting somebody else as we are responsible to other people, but not for them. You know, you can't fix what's going on for them, like I said, but you do have a duty to be respectful and kind and present. Um, But if you're noticing that you are giving more than you have the bandwidth for, and some good indications of that, you're feeling fatigued, you're feeling resentful, you're feeling burnt out yourself, that's a pretty good indication that you've got a boundaries issue. And so just being mindful that you can be curious, you can be supportive, but just knowing where your capacity ends, I think is really important. Um, And then lastly, with that, I mean, there's so much I could say on this. I know I'm like speaking. We're good. I preached for like an hour. You got a lot of time. They are, they have the endurance. They've been trained well. I appreciate that, setting me up. Um, And then just being mindful of your motivation in helping somebody. What I mean by that is, is it coming from a place of, I feel better about me if I'm helping them? Or is this what, again, what they're really needing? Do, is it coming from my worth and identity is in being everything for all people? Or is it rooted in like, hey, this is actually what this person is needing right now? Um, And then practically guiding them towards support, letting them know what you can reasonably offer them. It doesn't have to be, no, I can't help you. It can be, here's what I can offer. And guiding them, helping them get connected to their own additional support. You are not the only person that that person has, even if it seems like they're totally alone, so. Wow, that's so good, that's fantastic. Um, I'm glad we're recording this because I want to re-listen to that again. Uh, I thought the 85% of the success rate is just the relational part. I think of the way Jesus ministered to people. He was always connecting before he was directing. He was always wrapping his arms around them before he even tried to do anything else. And I think the church can be quick to kind of almost point instead of rally around. So that's a phenomenal insight. Um, Okay, third question. Is it ever okay to be stressed or anxious? If I answered no to this question, I would be the (laughs) biggest hypocrite on the planet. Um, Yes. Um, So anxiety gets a bad rap. I think it gets villainized. We we very much see it as this thing that has got to be gotten rid of, in essence. And 
we need anxiety to survive. Like it is meant to protect us. Um, it is what prevent. Like if if you guys didn't have anxiety and a bear just like barreled through here, you'd all just like sit and chill. It's fine. Um, like you need you need a level of anxiety to. It motivates you. It's the reason, you know, if I wasn't a little bit anxious about this, I might not have prepared at all. I might have stayed up all night, right? So, well, I never would do that. But <laughs> um, so having a healthy level of anxiety is okay. And being curious about what your anxiety is trying to protect you from is part of where the work happens, or where so part good. of the work happens. Um, where we get messed up, where we get jumbled, is when that anxiety exists when there's no actual threat, when it lingers, when it's rooted in lies about your sense of identity and your sense of safety in the world. Um, so if it's rooted in I'm not enough, like yeah. I just think about your example, or um, you know, my parents used to, they still tease me. When I was in high school, I was, they used to have to hide my textbooks because I was so anxious about studying and they thought I just really loved school but the reality was I felt like if I didn't perform and get straight A's, my value to them might have gone down. Wow. So like knowing that there's like an identity issue behind wow, it. Good. So that's when it becomes problematic. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's so good. So good. Yeah, I, I've never thought about it that if you care about anything, you're going to feel something about it. It's not bad to feel. And then I'm glad that we do get anxious around bears. I think that's very important. <laughs> you know, it's, no, noted. Fight or flight is yes, a beautiful thing. Um, fourth question. Uh, someone who struggles with mental health, what advice would you give them? So the first thing I would say is you're not alone. Um, I know that sounds sort of like the obvious, but I can't tell you how many times a week with my clients I'm sitting there and I'm telling them, man, I just wish I could put all of you in one room so you all know that other people are dealing with very similar things. Um, I would also tell them that it does get better. And again, going back to this idea of lies, when you, research shows that when you're struggling with some form of mental health, your brain has a hard time fathoming any other possible reality. Wow. If you're in a state of depression, for example, your brain is going to think that this is, this is it, that even if you've kind of experienced better in the past. And so just holding on to this idea, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this job if I didn't believe it could get better. Um, I tell clients, like I hear out their goals for treatment, and then I say, my goal is to work myself out of a job. As you know, I never want to see you again <laughs> um, in, in a very loving way. And so just saying, but like, I believe that it does get better. Um, thirdly, that mental health and shame and all of the things that are associated with that fester in darkness. And there's so much power in bringing it to the light. So good. Whatever that looks like for you, if that starts by sharing it with a friend, if that looks like therapy, if that looks like medication, I mean, there's so many different avenues, bringing it to God in your prayer time. Bringing that stuff honestly to the light has huge power. Um, and then my shameless plug, therapy, beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, it's transformative and life-changing, yeah, so good. yeah. I believe in it. I love that. I love that. And then fifth question, advice for parents with kids dealing with their mental health. I mean, when I read the stat uh, this morning when I was studying, uh, I was checking different websites out, and 
of the government website, 40% of kids live in this state, and that's a new mental health crisis thing. And so what would you give parents advice on that? So I have a lot to say on this one, if that's okay. <laughs> um, Let it rip. Yeah. So the first thing I want to say is I have, I'm not a parent myself, but I have so much compassion for all you parents out there, um, especially right now. I know probably every generation says this, but the state of our world is insane. And teenagers right now going through COVID, I mean, they're putting a new diagnosis in our diagnostic manual related to COVID. Um, so your kids are struggling. And so I just have so much compassion for all of you in that. Um, so a few answers to that. I would say the biggest thing you can do for your kids is be curious. Um, if you are noticing or concerned about things going on for them, um, being curious with them about that because things like depression and anxiety can masquerade as laziness or irritability or procrastination. Behaviors really are reflective of underlying needs. And so if you're noticing things, um, being curious about it, taking it seriously, right? If your kid is expressing struggles with different things, don't take the risk, right? Like if your kid is talking to you, the sad truth is I get a lot of teen clients who come in and they're like, I'm feeling suicidal, but my parents say, just get over it. Like, you're fine. You're going to be okay. And just recognizing that parents have their own discomfort with seeing their kids struggle. And sometimes that looks like you're fine. You're going to be okay. It's okay. But taking it seriously, um, Additionally, again, I think this is sometimes an overused analogy, but it really is vital and important for parents to have their own oxygen masks on before they can help their kids. So if you, doing your own work, whether that's in therapy, whether that's faith in a community, um, being mindful of how your own family impacted you and how you function and operate, because those things are generational and do get passed on. Your kids are looking at you for how you model how to cope well or not so well with things. And so you kind of having your own, doing your own work around that, not avoiding that, letting them know that mental health and emotions and all those things that we like to avoid are actually totally okay. Um, and then thirdly, so to get a little heady for a moment, um, a little therapisty, um, when we're born into the world, our parents owe us, your parents all owed you two things. They owed you a sense of identity so that you're worthy, you're lovable, you're acceptable, you matter. Um, and they also owe you or owed you a sense of safety, right? Like your world is predictable. I am safe. I am consistent. I will be here for you. You are secure. And so thinking through that framework, being very cognizant about the messages that we're either directly or indirectly sending kids, um, I don't imagine anyone in here is saying to your kids, you're not worthy if you don't go to that school, right? Or you're not worthy, we won't love you as much if you uh, don't make the varsity team. But like, that's what the kids in my office are hearing, right? Like when there's this pressure put on them to perform and achieve. And I grew up in the Bay Area, I know that culture all too well. It has not changed a whole lot. Um, so just being mindful about letting your kids know that you are a safe and secure place, you're consistent, that looks like structure, that looks like boundaries, um, and letting them know that their worth and 
their value to you is not conditional on performance and success and achievement. So. Wow, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> well, you said the, what our parents owe us. I just think about the only two conversations we see with uh, God the Father and Jesus is God saying, this is my son, you are known, and who I'm well pleased, and I'm pleased with you. And it's amazing that that's the only thing we see God say to his son. And I mean, just to be able to say that to our kids. Can't say it enough, correct? Yes. Come Amen. on now. Yes. It's amazing being a youth pastor. I would be around kids. And the girls that didn't have the same father saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, you could tell how quick they were to just date anybody. Mm -hmm. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, my wife's uh, dad did a great job and really made me work to actually have Rachel date me. <laughs> and so uh, it works. It works. Um, uh, another thing I'd love to ask you is, um, we're going to leave today. We're going to go love people. We're going to be maybe a little bit more sensitive to it. Um, of course, I hope we are. Um, but are there any resources you could recommend, too, as we journey in this next season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a few different kind of categories of things. Um, first of all, if you are looking to get connected for mental health support, um, getting connected with a therapist or psychiatrist, um, a great place you can look is Psychology Today. Uh, it's a website you can find online. Um, I also work for an awesome counseling center out in San Ramon, CPCC. Um, my boss is here and my father-in-law, I see you. Um, I wasn't nervous until I knew he was coming. Um, <laughs> well, you so, crushed it, yeah. so you did a good job. Be free. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, so Psychology Today is a great resource. Um, I highly, highly recommend everybody have on, in their phone somewhere, the suicide hotline. Um, I, I don't have it off the top of my head right now, but if you just Google it, find it, have it in your phone, um, whether it's for you, whether it's for somebody else. Because um, I did want to highlight one thing that I do see in my office a lot is that teenagers are being put in positions where they have friends who are telling them, I'm suicidal, but don't tell anyone. And that kid is holding if this person dies, is that on me? But they said, don't tell anybody. So I'm like, give these kids that suicide hotline, resource them, um, and tell those kids too. I would always say, you can tell a parent. It's <laughs> you can talk to somebody safe, even if it's not a parent. Like that is not for you to hold. But um, so suicide hotline, um, psychology today is a great resource. And then if I could recommend one book that everybody read, it is Your Body Keeps the Score. Um, it is a book about how trauma, how the different types of trauma impact your body, wow. how there's like that biological connection between how our, and, and trauma can be anything from like what we think of the capital T, big T, you know, school shootings type trauma. It can also be little T trauma, like that time your dad yelled at you for messing up about something, right? And how your body holds on to that and how it manifests in anxiety and depression and things like that. So those would be just my three, I've got so many more, but those would be my three key recommendations. That's phenomenal, that's phenomenal. I, I think the thing that I've realized, and, and please help me if I'm saying something incorrectly here, um, 20 years ago, we never even heard mental health. And now I feel like in the NBA, you can see him talk about it a lot more, you see in other uh, fields, and just even in, in the world. Um, is there a danger of it becoming the, I think you touched it a little bit, but becoming an identity to somebody instead of a journey they're on? And how do you Absolutely. help with that? Yeah. Absolutely. So it's, that is something that is, I'm glad you brought that up. Like it's easy for your anxiety or depression to become all of who you are, right? Yeah. And um, that's why, for example, when I'm 
you know, working with a client, I don't ever say you're anxious or you're anorexic, right? I'll say you have anorexia or you have anxiety. It's not all of who you are and being careful of over identifying with it. Usually that means that the anxiety or whatever it is, fill in the blank, is um, meeting some kind of a need for you whether that's, again, a sense of like being seen or heard or understood, you're getting something secondarily from even not intentionally holding on to that diagnosis. And it's okay to have whatever that fill in the blank need is, but we just wanna meet that need through God, through other things, right? So um, yeah, so just being cautious of over-identifying, absolutely. So good, so good. Can we thank McKenna? How good was that? So good, so good. So good. The reality is, is that Jesus would walk into a place and he would see, he would feel, he would think, he would do. And um, I think the, the gift of today is, I feel like the seeing part is, I think some of you, including myself, open your eyes maybe to another way you can see people who are struggling with this. And so you see, and then we should feel compassion and empathy. And then we should think, God, will you give me wisdom and guidance on how to actually love this person? I love, I love that set. 85% of successful like, um, patient and uh, therapist interactions is through just how good the relationship is. I feel like that's the church too. Like how, how successful are we going to be with this area? And then we do something. Man, the church is good at seeing and feeling and then stopping and never thinking and doing. Uh, this week, think and do this week. Uh, and also, if I could add something, think and be with somebody this week. Does that sound good? McKenna, it was such a good time. I want to pray for everybody real quick. God, we thank you uh, for today. We thank you for the gift uh, of just um, licensed therapists that literally gave their gift and energy so they could help people uh, literally renew their mind. And so, Lord, I thank you for McKenna and the the field she's in. Lord, I thank you for our church that you've placed us in the Bay Area, uh, Lord, to minister to people that are struggling with mental health, Uh, not to point, not to discuss about them, but actually just to love them where they're at. Uh, validate who they are, but also walk with them in victory. And so God, use us this week to love people. Use us this week to set people free. And uh, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want to ask a simple question. Uh, You're in the room today, and uh, it's amazing. God can uh, lead anybody to him anytime he wants, even through a mental health conversation. And so if you want to say yes to Jesus, yes to the one that renews minds, yes to the one that gives literally a new nature, a new life, if that's you with every head bowed and eye closed, you want to say yes to Jesus, yes to salvation, I want you to raise your hand and catch my eye. The Bible says very clearly that those confess with their mouth, believe their heart, they'll be saved. And so there has to be a response to what you're feeling. And so that response is raise your hand here and then we'll pray. If you want to say yes to salvation today with every head bowed and eye closed, raise your hand and catch my eye. Raise it now. I see you. I see you. God bless you. Oh, it's amazing. I see you. God bless you. Special Sunday. Come on. Will you stand up? We're going to pray. And then we're going to go conquer the day. Does that sound good? Come on. I was going to ask you about uh, SAD, Seasonal Affected Disorder, because the, the clouds did make me sad this morning. That was my seventh question. 11 a.m. service, will talk about it. Um, uh, will you guys repeat after me? Jesus, Jesus. Come, into come into my life. Today, Today I, confess, I confess I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Of a Savior. Today, Today I, declare, I declare you are my Lord. Are my Lord. I, say I say goodbye to my cursing, to my cursing. and hello to my blessing. Today, God, I declare, I am your son, I'm your daughter. And everybody said, come on, go change the world, everybody. We love you. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. 
If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you.